So we are continuing with the book of Hebrews. And as we look through the book of Hebrews, you can see that it's kind of repetitive, right? Especially the last uh, maybe four or five chapters. It's kind of the same thing. The same theme is, the theme is um, there was priests who, who, who sacrificed, they ritually sacrificed. But then that wasn't enough for God, so he sent his son to come and do it right. Right? You guys have been listening? Right? right? So it's been a continuous theme, and that's what we're going to touch on today as well, uh, and look at what God has to say. So let's look at Hebrew 1, we're gonna, uh, Hebrew 10, 1 to 18. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifice under the systems were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide a perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided a perfect cleansing, the sacrifice would have stopped, for the worshippers would have been purified once and for all time, and their feeling of guilty would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of the sins year after year, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls or goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said, you did not want any more sacrifices or sin offering, but you have given me a body to offer. You, have, you are not pleased with burnt offering or other offerings of sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it's written about me in the scripture. First, Christ said, you did not want any more sacrifice or sins offering or burnt offering or other offering for sins, nor were you pleased with them though they were required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I come to do your will. He canceled the first covenant in order to put the second in effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands, in the, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day by day, offering same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sin. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sin, good for all time. Then he sat down in a place of honor at God's right hand. There he waited until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are, made, who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testified that this is so. For he says, this is the new covenant I'll make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I'll put my law in their hearts, and I'll write them on my mind. Then he said, I will, never, I will never again remember their sin and lawlessness did. And when the sin has been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. So, again, if you look at what we've been preaching through the Wednesday t- service, those are the, we've been saying the same thing. Jesus came so then we can have purity, and with purity, then we can be pleasing to God. You know, the, the, the idea of just uh, doing goats and bulls and all those things and animal was not enough. God needed to bring his son in order for, us sacrifice, for, in order for him to be sacrificed. And today I want us to look at uh, uh, one of the verses here. But I, before we do that, I want you to think about something that we say in, in America. I'm from Kenya, but uh, it's a choker. Um, it says, you can't have your cake and eat it too, right? Yeah. Do you guys know what that means? Yeah. Please tell me you know what that means. Okay. <laughs> So you can't have your cake and eat it too. The proverb literally means you cannot simultaneously retain your cake and eat it, eat it at the same time. Once the cake is eaten, it's gone. The proverb means, the proverb mean, meaning is similar to the phrase, you can't have it both ways and you can't have the best of those both worlds. 
So what this creature is saying, and it, t- it goes with the, uh, the title of the message, there is always a price for everything. It doesn't matter what it is, there is always a price for everything. And when I talk about price, the first thing you guys think about is what? Money, money right? <laughs> think about um, If you guys saw the graphic, you know, the, um, the graphic, it had a debit card, right? So if you hang out with me for a little bit, I, I'm, a, I'm a pro Android, for lack of a better word. So I was grateful that whoever, you know, uh, Brittany did, did a good thing over there, right? <laughs> Because if you have an Apple phone today, you need to talk to me after service. But we'll talk about that. Okay. So when we think about it, you think about money, right? But today I'm talking, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about the prices cost you to give something that you really, really care about. Something that really matters to you in order for you to gain something that's beyond what you have. Right? See, there's this other thing that says when you say yes to one thing, you are saying no to another. I'll let that settle for a minute. When you're saying yes to one thing, you're saying no to another. So what does that mean? Like tonight, when you guys uh, got off work or whatever you are doing and you came to church, you said no to watching TV tonight and said yes to coming to church, right? Tomorrow morning, if you're not a morning person and the alarm goes off, then you have to say no to the bed, right? And get up and go get your coffee, right? But if you do decide to have your coffee, I mean, to stay in bed, then you don't get your coffee. You cannot have those things at the same time, right? Same thing with life. When you, when you started dating, I hope you said no to every other girl or every other boy, right? Right? Okay, checking. Same thing. When you decided that I'm going to get married, you chose that this was the person and I wasn't going to go to a different place. It was just going to be that person. Same thing as when we are having kids. When we had kids, you decided that I'm going to be poor for the rest of my life because, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> right? it's not about you, right? I remember when the, the, the song that says a baby changes everything and I'm like, well, I mean, I'm not sure. But then after living through two girls, I know that a baby changes everything, right? And the list goes on and on and on and on about the fact that I want you to guys remember is when you say yes to one thing, you are saying some, you are saying no to another thing. When you say, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna do this, you're sacrificing one thing and taking something else, right? And so our text tonight is talking about that exact concept. Hebrews 10, 5, 7 says, that is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offering, but you have given me a body to offer. You are not pleased with burnt offering or other offering for sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it's written in the scripture. See, Jesus knew what sacrifice meant. He knew what the animals had to go through. He knew that they had to be cut. He knew that the blood had to be poured out. He knew all these things, yet he still chose to come and die for us, right? He, he know the text when it, the text it says, he knew when it says that his body was given to him as an offering. It wasn't a surprise that came to him. He counted the cost. He knew what the price was before he even came, right? And I know that sometimes when, when we read Luke, um, when we look at, uh, Luke 24, 41 to 42, and he withdrew from them a stone throw and knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. For yet no, my will be done, but you us. Remember when he had to go pray? When we read that verse, some of us, we assume that that's the time that he had that awakening. That at that moment, he was like, oh my goodness, what did I get myself into? But that is not the truth. 
Before Jesus even came down, he already knew what it was going to cost him. Right? He already, he already counted the cost and knew this is going to cost my life. My body has been created in order for me to offer as a sacrifice. Hebrews 10, 89 says, First Christ said, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offering or burnt offering or other offering for sins, nor were you pleased with them, though they were required by the law of Moses, said, Look, I have come to do your will. He canceled the first covenant in order to put the second one in, in effect. So he knew that there had to be a change, and that change had to come through him. Yet, in our culture today, we feel that it's possible for us to have our cake and eat it at the same time. We feel that we can sacrifice ourselves and call ourselves a Christian, give our life to Christ. Yes, we can double with the other thing. Even though the real, the, the thing that's allowing us, if I, if I made the thing, if Christ himself already showed us that there is no two ways. It has to be one way. He left heaven in order to come over here. He didn't say, I'm going to double in heaven and I'm going to double in, in the earth so then I can let you live. He came here and sacrificed it. Yet, we as Christians, through that blood of Christ, we get to that point where we get saved and then we decide, you know what? I think I can have my cake and eat it too. And I know that this is the age of Uber. You can still be eating your cake and order another one and it comes at the same time. But that's not what I'm talking about, right? This has spilled over to a Christian walk. We want to be this part of Christian culture, but not pay the price to be a member of it. See, this Christianity is, is a costly journey. It is a costly journey. To be a Christian, it is a costly journey. If you are living as a true Christian, it is a costly journey. And I, I, I believe that in the last probably couple of generations, maybe two generations, if you say, Christianity has been easy. All you had to do was show up in church, especially in American Christianity. All you had to do was show up in church, say amen, play the part, and then people will say, you are good, you are Christian. But as we move on to the next chapter of Christianity, it's going to require us to do a little bit more. It's going to require for us to count the cost. What are you willing to pay for that cost? Right? See, um, I, mean, I think it was last week or the week before, I was talking to one of my brother in Christ and says, and he said, I'm changing how I'm going to invite people to church moving forward. I just, before, I'll just get them to church. I'll just tell them Jesus loves you and I'll bring them to church because as long as they came in and sat under good leadership and word of God, then they would convert themselves, they would, they would be converted to Christ. And, you know, that does work, right? But the issue happened when, the reason why he said that is because during COVID, some of the people he had invited to church stopped coming. And he reached out to them and said, hey, can you tell me what's going on? Why don't you come? And what he realized was, the people that came in, they came in in order for that once they got here, they found friendship. They found leadership. They found influence. They found things that made them feel to be part of it, but they never really loved Christ. To an extent that some of them said we really never really give our life to Christ, even though we play the part. So he said the next time that I'm calling somebody and asking them to come and and come to church. I have to sit them down and tell them, listen, I know I'm inviting you to church, but this is what it costs to be a Christian. Are you willing to become a Christian? Are you willing to take this step? Because you can't just come and conform to the things of Christ if you're really not paying the price. It's going to cost you something, right? 
He canceled the first covenant in order to put the second in effect. For God was, for, for God's will was for us to be made holy by sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. We need to be holy. We need to be holy. That's why Jesus died. See, these people that came in, they paid a small price, which is just maybe give up a Sunday, give up a Wednesday. But then guess what? They didn't have reap any benefit when COVID-19 happened. Because now they're back to their world. And as I was talking to him, he continued to remind me of the story of a young ruler. In Mark 10, 17, 27, it says, As Jesus was, t- was starting out his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to, the, to answer your question, you know the commandment. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. And then he said, teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Look at the man. Looking at the man, he felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told, me. He told him. Go and sell all your possession and give the money to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. And at this, and at this the man face fell and he went away for he had many possessions. So as, we, as I talked to him, we, we talked about this, and he said, think about that. The man comes to Christ and says, Lord, I've done A, B, C, D. I come to church, I give, I do all those things, I am good, right? But Jesus says, okay, that's good, but there are some things you haven't done that I need you to do. And so equating that to our church time and, and inviting people to church or bringing people to church, Jesus didn't say, hey, come on over. Let's continue following me as we walk through your life. Come over. Let me hold your hand and walk you with you so you can change in the meantime. He told him at that point, count your cost. Count your cost. Because if you count your cost, then guess what? You will endure. But I feel like in us, sometimes we, 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 we do this Christian walk where we like, okay, God, I'm going to come. Yes, come as you are. But as you come as you are, it's not stay as you are. Before you even enter the gates, you have, yeah, as you come, say slowly. <laughs> so, so as you, so when it says come as you are, it doesn't mean that you stay as you are. Because as you come as you are, it means that you stop. The minute you say, I am changing my life and I'm giving my life to Christ, you turn from where you've been and you turn the other side. And before you turn, you count the cost and realize that this is what I want to do. Because so many of us, and not just, it's not just Faith and Victory, but any other place, the church in general, is we have a lot of people calling themselves Christian, yet they haven't cost, they haven't counted the cost. And then when we come to tell them, hey, what you're doing is not right, they look amazed because we really never told them that there is a price to being a Christian. The young ruler was like, Jesus didn't tell him, come on. Let's walk and you can change your life. I'll take you through steps. I'll do Bible study. I'll do all these things. He said, you, because go, check your heart and then come back and follow me when you've counted your cost. Are we counting our cost today? It is costly to follow Christ. And if you don't realize from, if you you haven't realized that today, then this is a rude awakening for us that we need to count our cost. See, Christ counted the cost before he even went to the cross. Yet, we lose nothing and we want to gain everything. 
And I know some of us can argue and say, well, that was Jesus. He had the power to do that. And he was God, which is true. But then we've seen countless people in the Bible who have paid the price. What kind of price are you willing to pay today? And I'm going to give you, um, I can't go through the whole process of what the price is, but I'm going to give you three things that, that the, the things that makes us think about the prices that we pay. So the first thing I'm going to think, uh, I'm going to talk about as a price is your health. Your health, right? Amen. Your health is your wealth, so they say. Have you guys ever heard that one? I mean, come on, Americans, right? You know, American buses, <laughs> <passes>, right? <laughs> <laughs> Supersize me, right? <laughs> yeah, your health is your wealth. The reason they say your health is your wealth is because you can never get another version of you, yeah. right? It doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't matter what your status are, doesn't matter what, where you live or what you drive or what you do. If your health is not good, your health is not good, right? Yeah. We've seen pe- people die who had more money than you can count, right? Yeah. And so, when you think about your health, what if the price for your Christianity was your health. Come on, bring it. What if your, your, your price for Christianity was your health? And we can look at a man in the Bible, the story of Job, and I'm not going to put it off. I'm not, I didn't put any Bible verses because I want you guys to go and read. Everybody know, Most people know the, 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 uh, the story of Job. Job lost everything to a point where after he lost everything and did not denounce God, he lost his health and it continued to be worse. To a point where his wife was like, why don't you just cast God so then that way you can be healed. But he was ready to pay the price for, for that. Right? And I believe that when we are given this example of the health, it signifies something that we hold, hold most dear in our lives. It's not necessarily your health because there are some people who are like, my health, you can take that. But what is that equivalent to your health? That today, if I told you to put it on the altar, that God is going to test you on it. That you'll be like, man, i got to think twice about that. Right? Think about it. And and I think this is very, this is not in my note, but I think this is very interesting. And I had a preacher preach about it and he said, the interesting thing about the story of Job is, Job had not sinned. Think about it. He had not sinned. It wasn't like he was getting, he was getting rebuked for what he did. But he had counted the cost and he had given his life to Christ completely that it didn't matter what Christ had to do with his life. What about, and I asked myself this question as I prepared this message and I'm like, what if Christ came and says, Kevin, you're doing really, really well and I'm going to go prove to other people through your suffering that you have counted the cost and this is who I am. Would I still continue and say, Lord, I still honor you. Lord, I'll still, I'll still delight in the things that you've done. That is the cost of Christianity. Let me say that again. The cost of Christianity is God can come and look at you and say you are doing really, really good. And you know what? I'm going to show the devil that you are my faithful one. And I'm going to take you through all these things because I am God. And when you say I'm dying to self and I'm giving my life to Christ, guess what? There are no breaks to it. God can do whatever he wants. Have you counted the cost? Luke 9, 23, 24 says, then he said to the crowd, if anyone, one of you want to follow me, you must give up your, your, your own ways. Take up the cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Think about those words. It says we have to do that daily because God can require anything from you daily. Are you ready to give up 
daily? Are you, are you willing to give your life over to God daily? Are you willing to pay for the price? So we talked about health. Let's talk about your ability and your strength. Paul says, that's why I take pleasure in my weakness, in my weakness and in insult, hardship, persecution, and trouble that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, I am strong. And we've used that Bible verse a lot where it says, when I am weak, you are strong. But weakness means that God can crush you in order for him to be glorified. His, your strength becomes nothing. So he can be able to glorify him. That is the cost of Christianity. And this idea of God is love and everything just flows. Yes, he is all those things, but he's much more. And we need to sit down and really count our cost. I look at the story of David as a young man. And if you don't know the story of David, go read on it. It's the story of David killed a big giant, Goliath. And it's a powerful example of willing to pay the ultimate price. I know when we look at the story of David, we always think about, wow, it must be nice that David took rock, a rock and swung it and hit Goliath. But the point is, have you ever sat down and thought about what it took him to get to that point? David was willing to die. He had looked at the giant and said, there is no way I can be able to take this. But what he didn't want, what he said is, I will not stand there and wait for people to defame the name of Christ. And he was willing to pay that price. That was a giant. It was a big giant with a big army. But his strength and his ability had to be put down because it was no equivalent to what he was fighting. But because he had counted the cause and saying, it doesn't matter what happened. I am willing to die for Christ. He was okay to go ahead and do that. And through that, God, that God was, was glorified. See, David did not much, he did not power much the giant or the army. He chose to give it all for the sake of preserving God's name. Are you willing to defy the mighty, the mighty army, which might mean losing your lifestyle, your comfort, your benefit, your health, or even your life? And I know we might say yes, which we should, but the thing is, it starts out with small things. It starts with small things, standing up for what is true in your homes, standing up for what is true at work, standing up for what is true for your church, right? It also means guarding and honoring the the name of God. If you hear somebody defaming the, the name of our Christ, God, you say, no, that is not the God that I serve. It also means doing it every day and fully, not to choosing when to do and when not to do. And I know I'm guilty of that because sometimes I'm like, God, you can handle that. I don't need to do that. Yet I heard it. It's my responsibility at that point. See, we are all called to be like David. But if we hold back because we are not willing to pay the price, we can never be who God has called us to be. Are you willing to pay the price? My third, my third example is your reputation. First Corinthians 18, 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says, The message of the cross is foolishness to those, to those who are heading for destruction. But who, we who are being saved know it is, a very, is very powerful, is the very power of God. When we talk about Christianity, when we talk about God, when somebody comes against you, Pastor Mark preached about that, and people come against you and you want to fight, but then you become the fool. They think you're the fool. Because you let God fight your battles, right? <laughs> but to them, it's foolishness. But we know the power of Christ. 
And I know like reputation, how you carry yourself, how people see you, that is super important. But what if God needs you to be look like a fool and crush that reputation so then he can be glorified? See, Acts 3, 1, 6, it talks about Peter and John. They went to the temple and a lame man was sitting there. Peter and John looked at him intently and said, and said look at us. They told the, the, the lame man to look at them. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I do not have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Think about that. They go to this person, and I'm sure it was not just them. It wasn't just the two of them in there. There was a, probably a mighty crown there seeing them, him talk to them. The people who are coming into the temple in and out. But they trusted God. They trusted and had faith. And they did not care what would happen if they said in their faith, get up and walk, and the person did not walk. It wasn't for their part to think about what was going to happen. But most of the time, and as I know I've been there, where I am supposed to believe and trust God completely, but then I'm like, what are they going to think about me? I want to pray and I believe that you can stand up and walk. I know that this can be overcome. I know I can pray with you. I know I can encourage you, but then I hold back because I am worried about my reputation. Yes, Peter did not worry about his reputation. He didn't care. But at that moment, it shows when you don't care about your reputation, it's because you have faith that no matter what happens, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even though you don't save us, we will still praise you. Are these stories that we hear every single day and just think about it, but do we think to the depth of what that cost looks like? And if we put ourselves in those shoes, what does that look like in your life? See, I believe that today our prayers are not being answered because we are not willing to look like fools. We really are not. And I'm guilty of that. Where I'm like, pray for this person. Or pray for this thing. Trust this thing in my life to happen. But I'm like, Lord, it's going to kind of look crazy when people hear what I'm about to say. But if we are willing to look like fools, guess what? Our prayers will be answered. We are not willing to give up our reputation. We'd rather play it safe. See, purity is lacking in our prayer. We are tainting our prayer by putting those if, if, maybe. But God tells us, pray and trust what I'm saying. And that is making our faith weak. First Christ, Jesus, first Christ said, you did not want any more sacrifices of sin offering or burnt offering or any other offering for sins, nor were you pleased with them. He requires a costly sacrifice. It was easy for them to go get a sheep or to get an ox or to get a lamb. But the son of God, that was costly. And that's what we've been asked today. We are being asked today to count our cost. That if you're going to move on from today onwards being a Christian, you realize that there is a cost to it. And once you say, I'm dying to self and I'm letting everything go, there is no limit to what that looks like. See? i got to tell you the good part. That benefits are literally out of this world. Right? But we must be willing to lose our comfort here on earth to advance Christianity. That is our mere obligation. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these things, teach these new th- disciplines to obey all commands I have given you. And be sure of this, 
I am with you always, even to the end. That is what we've been called to do. We've been called to go and teach about Christ. And if we have to go and teach about Christ, we ourselves have to count the cost for us. We have to ask ourselves, are we willing to pay that price? Because if I'm going to go and talk to somebody and tell them about Christ, and they ask me, have you paid the price for this? Are you willing to do this in your life? And if I have second guesses, then really, am I ready to convert them to Christ? Am I ready to convert them to Christ? See, our faith today, our faith in Christ is today is alive because of the people who went before us. They were willing to pay the price. Are you guys willing to pay the price today? Russ. So tonight, as we conclude, I want you to think and take a moment. We'll play here for like a minute. Take a moment and ask, and ask God and ask him really, honestly and truly, have you really counted the price? Have you really counted the cost? Are you willing to pay the price? And if you're not, there's no shame to that. Because today God can show you how to. Maybe you came as a Christian because of all the other things that may be included in being a Christian. And those are some of the benefits. But the truth is, Christianity is a costly, costly, costly endeavor. Because our Christ showed us the way. The Bible says that we should be transformed to be like Christ. And if he suffered and he died, we should do the same. So take a moment. Talk to Christ and ask him, am I counting the cost? Am I willing to pay the price? Father, in the name of Jesus, we worship you tonight. God, we thank you, Father, for the price that you pay for us, Lord. I know, Lord, that we've heard it over and over, and sometimes, Father, the over and over minimizes, Father, the cost, the cost, O King of Glory, God. But today, I thank you that you're reminding us, Lord, that you really counted the cost. You took time to think about what it was going to cost for you to come and rebuild us, God. 
and you still chose us, O oh God. You didn't choose to stay in heaven. You chose us. And God, our mere obligation is to worship you and to give you everything that we have, Lord. Today you reminded us, O King of Glory, God, what it looks like, O God, when we really give up everything and let you be God of of our lives, Lord. And I know, Father, I know, I know, Lord, that sometimes it's hard for us to fathom or even to decide, to think about how we can give up our rights, our comforts, all these things, oh God, for you, Lord. But I know, Lord, you say that all you want is a willing heart, oh God. That you have a God, if we seek you with everything, that everything will be added to us, Lord. Endurance, victory, all these things will be added to us, Lord. So I pray tonight, O King of Glory, God, that you may speak to us individually, Father. Show us, Father, the areas, God, that we are not willing to let go. Areas in our life, Father, where we are holding on to, Lord. Areas in our life that we haven't counted any cost, O King of Glory, God. So mighty King, Lord, we can come before you as pure, God, usable, Father. Use a boging of King of Glory in your kingdom, Lord. Father, let us not forget the price that was paid for us, Lord, so we can have life, O oh God. Let us not love this world more than we love you, O oh God. Let us not love the things that we have more than we love you, Jesus. God, let us count it all waste, Father, and you be glorified, Lord. We worship you, God. And we pray, mighty King of glory, God, that we do not forget this, Lord. We pray all this believing and trusting in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.